and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is The Departed, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing well. You know, Monday, we're going, we're moving, it's busy, um, had a busy weekend, but doing good. Doing good overall. Got a lot of Easter plans. How about you, Cameron? Ooh, um, I'm doing good. This week is going to be kind of hectic for me, but, you know, feeling feeling good about it. I am uh, just just prepping my stuff for it, you know, just, just chilling. My Monday was very slow, but, you know, that's good sometimes. Yeah, no, definitely. I I was going to say, I actually shot some content for my work today, which I don't really get hands-on behind the camera. And it was one more of those freezer shoots. So, but I felt very much more equipped uh, than regularly because the first time I shot in the freezer, my fingers felt like they were going to fall off. <laughs> um, but I've never shot in a freezer with a wedding ring on. Mm. And it's given me some kind of weird, like, like some kind of carp. I don't know what it is, like carpal tunnel going on. Something happened with the temperature where, like, I just. I don't know. Like, I'm not used to wearing a ring, but I swear I can't feel, like, nerves in it now. Like, when I bend it a certain way, like, it hurts. Mm. Like, almost like I have, like, some sort of <laughs> frostbite around my ring. Or maybe my my metal ring got so cold that it, like, became this refrigeration thing. It, like, it's turning my skin blue right there. I'm becoming a white walker on my <laughs> finger. I'm not sure. But, uh, huh. Huh. Yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't have any experience with that, so I'm not sure. Can't. I don't. The point of that story was sometimes you got to change up your work and do something creative and not worry about the frostbite. Sure. So get out there and make something. That's all I'm gonna say. There's my encouragement. Have you been watching anything, Cameron? Let's see. No, I haven't. I actually went um, down to to Paso Robles this weekend. And we were in a camper and there was no TV. So we just, we just chilled. It was nice. Um, A lot of fun. So drank a lot of wine, but you know, other than that, it was cool. That's good. You seem mellow. I feel a little cracked out right now. For eight (laughs) o'clock, I'm pretty cracked out. I think it was all that cocaine sniffing we were watching in the movie. Probably. Yeah. Inspired me or something. Mm. I think I'm just hyped up on, I, I usually make my own coffee. And today I decided to buy Starbucks, which, you know, they just have to be cranking the caffeine in there. I used to work for them. I know they've probably changed their ways now that, you know, my moral authority doesn't work there anymore. So, Do you think they are? Are they are they really cranking it? They Is it because is it it's like the addictive part is the caffeine and they want people to come back or something? Like, what's, I'm not what's sh- the deal? I, the only thing that could have changed is the bean type because i got i usually just get black cold brew i love starbucks cold brew i think it's like actually i like any cold brew if you mess up cold brew like i'm never buying coffee from you again (laughs) and and to be honest like cold brew is not easy to do so for people that say oh starbucks is terrible and they drink the cold brew and they're like yeah but that's just all right it's like cold brew is not the easiest thing to make you have to like you have to brew it for 20 hours. Well, that's how they do it at Starbucks. They do it for 20 hours. Um, and it's usually a batch, like a massive batch, usually five pounds of, no, 20 pounds of beans uh, poured into this huge thing. 
the toddy. Do you remember that, Cameron? Did yeah. you guys have a toddy? Yeah, we had a yeah. toddy, of course. We we just grind a whole big old bag of beans. Yep. yep. And then, you know, dump it all into it would we would put the grinder on the edge of the counter and then we would hold the toddy up so that it would fill that bag. Um the uh the you know, the toddy bag that holds all the beans. And then we would just fill it up with water and we would let it sit till the next morning. And that was that was our routine. Um, I could have been, to be honest, I feel like cold brew is a lot easier to make than espresso, but, uh, you know, that's well, just me. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I would, I would agree. I would agree. Espresso is probably the hardest thing to do. Correct. That's yeah. why I never order it. So, um, but where I was going with that is that it could have been that they changed the beans to something a little lighter and then seep that for 20 hours or that, or, you know, what could have been part of it is they were out of the cold brew roast and they're like let's just throw the medium roast in there the 20 pounds of medium roast and that's a big difference <laughs> i think usually I, it's darker yeah i don't know i mean i feel like cold brew for me cold brew can can crack me out a little bit for sure and and it it, it doesn't happen every time uh but it'll you know it'll do it every once in a while and if i'm not careful i can just i can just hit it and you know it'll it'll hit me back <laughs> I guess I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I don't th- remember the last time I had a big like a I had a Vente cold brew like one of those big ones. That, I mean that you know? it probably isn't Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just well, saying. that explains it. Just sorry, saying. sorry if I sorry if I annoy you a lot. Yeah, Cameron, I I haven't watched uh, too much this week either, besides the movie that we watched. Um, oh, I've yes. actually been playing Resident Evil Two. Oh. Um, the remake just because I've had time and I, th- I just, I want to get out. I want to, I want to put it out there. I just feel like horror video games just like brings the horror stuff up a new level. Mm. You know, uh, I don't know. I like, I love, I love horror movies, but in a way I kind of think horror video games are more scary and I don't even like being scared. But there's something about like I physically have to choose what to do right now yeah. to decide like what is going to happen, um, and then and then they become progressively less scary as you become more equipped when you're playing the game. The scares don't work, and you're trying to glitch and break the game at that point, and you're like have all the power weapons and everything. So I don't know. Highly recommend it. I've been I've been doing this thing where I'm like trying not to buy stuff, and that new Resident Evil Four remake came out. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I don't think I even got the most out of the second one. And, uh, yeah. So I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta finish some games before I keep buying games. Yeah. You know, I agree. <laughs> but the, but the horror list is, is long. I do want to get to dead space as well, which is supposed to be like a cult classic. <laughs> they remade that recently. So, um, just been focused on that. Haven't watched anything outside of it. Well, actually that's not true. I lied about what we watched okay. because we watched something together. We watched John Wick 4. Oh. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> That's right. We actually hung out in person. Yeah. You know? And it was but, it was a lot of fun. Do we want to give a short review of John Wick 4, what we think? Because... Why not? No spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah, no yeah, spoilers. Um, here's the thing. I should like John Wick a lot more than I do. Everybody loves it. Everybody's all, um, you know, oh my gosh, John Wick, it's the best thing ever. Action at its finest. Um... I just don't think that's true. And I can't, I couldn't tell you why. Maybe I just don't vibe with like the world or whatever they're doing. I just think it's messy 
writing wise, I think that the acting is not very good usually with most, you know, not even just Keanu Reeves, you know, hate to say it, but uh, you know, with everybody, I feel like the world build, the, the thing that is on is, is the action scenes. You know, the action scenes are really cool. A lot of the set pieces is especially in this one were awesome. I loved, there's like this club scene and they're fighting in the club and that's super cool. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's the, the, the endless line of stairs. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, the overhead, uh, you know, hotline Miami stuff was, was awesome. So all that stuff I think is, is neat and cool, but it feels more like a, a slideshow of cool action bits than like a movie. Uh, if that makes sense. And I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little, I'm in that headspace where even, even though I like movies that are dumb and kind of just action movies and great action movies, somehow I can't wrap my mind around why everybody likes John Wick. Um, I'm not sure about it. So, uh, with this one, it just, it just didn't impress me that much. I, I thought it was good. I thought the action was good. But the, you know, everything around the movie, the story, everything like that, I just, I, I didn't care for. So that's my, mm. that's my short review of John Wick 4. Six and a half out of ten. Go see it with your family. <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, visualized all of the intensely violent scenes <laughs> like that. You know, when he like shoves the knife in that guy's hand. Yeah. <laughs> and that one scene. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, my experience with John Wick is that I've never seen the second one, but I've seen the rest and I saw them in the wrong order, which was John Wick three, John Wick one, and then John Wick four. Okay. Um, when I saw three in the theaters, I was like enamored by it. I don't know why something about that movie just like felt like it was introducing you to this whole world of assassins and they establish rules really. Early. Have you seen the third one, Cameron? Yeah. Okay. They establish rules pretty early on about this idea of like, there's a safe house. Um, you know, this, this, this like hotel is a safe house where you can't kill anybody. And so they don't really talk about that in the first one. I don't know if they talk about it in the second one. I've never seen. They that. do. I think they, uh, they st- start that thing kind of in the, or that, that it's like first introduced, I think in the second one. The hotel right, stuff. but the, the, that that plot device is what's driving in the third one, right? Or it's like it's a safe house. John Wick keeps going out on all these missions, and then it kind of, I guess, kind of some spoilers for part three. It culminates with you know some activities going on in the hotel where there's not supposed to be any violence or anything like that, right? So to me, I was like, wow, this all kind of culminates to like a scene where it's sort of like breaking the laws of this underground organization and what's all going to go down. And so the, the fourth movie is leading into that with John Wick's character, um, trying to, you know, survive the repercussions against this secret assassin society. Right. Um, and like you said, love the different sets, the environments, how they, you know, change up the scenes and whatnot. But this movie felt more like a fast and furious movie to me than, the other ones for some reason 
I felt like they were looking for an excuse to get to this high octane action, which I think a lot of the viewers will probably appreciate. But at a three hour runtime, like I was getting really tired of of the action, despite it being fairly good. Um, just the finale felt kind of exhausting without the emotional pull. I mean, what makes Return of the King such an exciting movie is that you have those breaths of emotional drama going on between. Like, usually it's like Sam and Frodo is kind of the slowdown. Um, but then when it's skipping to the action, it's fun. And then it always cuts back to like. You know, I don't know if it, it's I think it's Pippin who's up in the tower with the weird king yeah. eating stuff. And there's just like they do these things where it, it breaks the action and, and builds the um, the intensity. So even when you are in that dumb action, like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. Like little kid punching at the screen because he's so excited about what's going on. Like there's still something else there. And there there's nothing wrong with like a high octave like action movie but i've recently felt um kind of challenged by like what makes a incredible action movie for me personally because i could totally see people seeing that movie and loving it we watched top gun maverick and i was like that was that felt like kind of flawless action adventure sort of movie right um, a lot of people have related it to Star Wars and I was like, I totally kind of see that structurally how it's like, you know, it kind of just feels like a, a hurrah of some kind. And then there's movies like Mad Max Fury Road where it's like there's an absurdity to the action that never stops um, and it always is surprising and always entertaining. Um, so I, I'm not quite sure what what makes a perfect action movie for me. Um, but I know that John Wick 4 was not what I was looking for, and I felt guilty watching it because I was like, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> I feel like most people will watch this and be like, that was awesome. Mm. I just don't know why I'm feeling this way watching it. Um, so I just kind of eventually started laughing at a lot of the things in the movie. Um, Lawrence Fishburne, right? Is Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, F Fishburne. He's hilarious in this movie. Like, he is literally just playing a comedic role. I don't know what's going on with Pigeon Man in this movie, <laughs> but he just shows up and, like, is just... I don't even know if he's reading the script. I think if, if he watches scenes, it's just hilarious. Um, but should you see it? If you if you want to see John Wick, sure. It's just more of that. So I think a lot of people um, like the style of John Wick. And, yeah. you know, if you do, you'll, you might like this movie. I don't know. I think... I think the length makes this movie kind of inaccessible. Mm. It really does. And yeah. and it's 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 hard to sit through a movie like this for for that long. Even though we're going to talk about another two and a half hour movie um today, it's just it, you know, when a movie is as dense as uh as John Wick, does it really need to be 2 hours and 49 minutes? <laughs> Like not really. I feel like yeah. I feel like it could could have been cut down, and even saying that, you know, it, I don't know. There's just so much fluff in the movie. Um, so many things happen over and over again. Even the action scenes kind of go on a little too long. So I don't know. That's that's just yeah. me. But I think I think you know maybe if you really liked John Wick, 
you'll like this one. I just think it's too long for most people, to be honest. Well, you you and I were commenting while watching it, like, have you like we've noticed extras, like the same extras again and again. Yeah, the um, so they recycle some of the stunt guys, but you know, you you kind of have to in a movie like this. There's so many people fighting. It's it's not it's not the biggest sin in the world, you know. But you no, you can tell no. a little. You can tell sometimes. There's definitely one that I noticed. I was like, I've seen him before, one hundred percent. Yeah, but it's like it kind of. I don't know if they were saying he wasn't dying. I'm not sure. Like that's what I was like. Didn't that? Didn't I watch this guy die like four <laughs> times? Like I was like, is this guy like the Hulk or like I don't know Nemesis from Resident Evil? What's going on here? You know, like he's undefeatable. Um, so it was kind of distracting for me. The other thing is, is that some of the action scene structure is, is super well put together. Like the, um, the, the car chase scene where they're, where he's like drifting around and fighting a bunch of guys in a busy, like freeway section. Like that, that scene felt well structured. Whereas there's another scene, um, at the, one of the embassies where he like fights these two, armored guys then he fights two guys in suits then he fights two armored guys again then two guys in suits again then two armored guys like it's like yeah he fights two guys like five times in a row in this one scene like back to back and i was like are these just like different takes or different choreographies that they were like and they're like just put them all in all of them you know they were all pretty cool so I, th- there's kind of some strange things like that. I really didn't feel like the other John Wick movies had that sort of problem. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think I've seen a worse action movie than this. This one is not that bad. It is not Fast and Furious bad. Um, it just kind of reminded me of watching some of those movies and being like, I want to open my phone in the theater because this isn't that like... It's really not that serious, you know. It's kind of just, it is what it is, right? Um, I disavow. Shout but, out to you know. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Tim, uh, who who went with us. You know, we might have had a man down at some point that night, but <laughs> stories for another time and for him to tell. So, uh, we love you, Tim. Don't worry, he's alive. John Wake didn't kill him. This is Cinema Spectator. If you appreciate the show, you can support us on patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars our way, get some exclusive benefits for the show, including your questions read on air, which Timmy did write in to prove he's alive and to ask a question for the show, but we'll get to that in a little bit. You can check it out there, see all the benefits. If you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. Just give us a rating, share the show. All of it helps our small production. We thank you for your time. We thank you that you're listening. Uh, to two dorks reviewing movies, maybe one dork. Sorry, Cameron, that was rude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Cameron, it's time to get into the Departed. Why are we reviewing the Departed, Cameron? It's a good question. I, d- I haven't figured out an answer yet. Um, I just wanted to watch it because actually, it was a- after I thought about it after we watched The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, yes, and I was thinking about Scorsese kind of over the years. This was obviously one of the ones that we um, we did not review in our original Scorsese month. And I kind of want to go back and visit some of the lesser known. This is not a lesser known Scorsese movie. But I think maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll go back and look at two movies specifically that I think you would be interested of Scorsese's catalog. Now that we've, we've had a long sort of... Um, 
deep dive. We've wa- watched a lot of his movies, but there there's a handful that we've missed, and I'm I'm interested in watching a couple more with you, if you're down to do that. But I haven't really mm. thought of a theme of why we're watching this movie. I just was thinking about it last week, and I wanted to revisit it, you know, because for one, I. Uh, haven't seen it since I was, I think I, I think I was in high school maybe when I first watched this. So definitely a little early for me, but, um, you know, I, I definitely didn't have the, the breadth of knowledge of Scorsese that I do now. And I was thinking about our discussion about the Wolf of Wall Street, about sort of excess. Um, and you know, this coming a, a few years before that, you know, nine or seven or however many years before, um, this is a movie that I think surprised a lot of people by being his first and only best director um, and best picture, you know, uh, win. So, you know, this was, this was well regarded at the time, but uh, at the same time, a lot of people consider this to be kind of a legacy, um, a legacy pick for him where, you know, this this is like his Lifetime Achievement Award, not necessarily because it's the best movie he's ever made, but because it's um, one that, you know, he's been around for so long and we kind of just have to give it to him, basically. And they were kind of doing things like that back then. Uh, not so much anymore. But I feel like this movie, I didn't have quite a an understanding of this movie when I first watched it. And so I really wanted to to go back and see what what I thought about this movie again and what I you know and I I am hoping that you have some some interesting insight as you know someone who likes Scorsese um but someone who kind of is newer to enjoying Scorsese for me I'll be honest this was not my favorite revisit of a movie that I've ever done um so a little disappointing because when I when I first watched the movie I I liked it a lot I liked the twists and turns I liked a lot of the uh, sort of interesting uh, relationships that were built up in the movie and I still do and obviously the acting I think is really excellent um, but watching it this time I felt like the plot was a little more labored. Um, and some of the things didn't come across quite as well for me as the first time I watched it. So I'm interested to hear what you thought as being, this is, you know, this is your first time watching it and kind of some of the, uh, the interesting folds to this, to this story, uh, for you. Yeah, no, of course. I just want to give some context as well. The movie we watched last week was a Scorsese movie and Cameron and I, have reviewed a whole month of Scorsese films. So this podcast is my introduction to Scorsese. And I just want to give a quick update of how I'm feeling about him since our conversations, you know, talking about him and our conversation from last week. I've really been thinking about this. I'm glad we did this movie. Uh, we're, we, we don't usually revisit directors that we've watched, although we've done that once for Spielberg? Did we do that for Spielberg? No, I don't. Uh, as in, like, do another month of? Well, we've revisited his movies, so I guess the conversation always cycles back around once we've reviewed some of these famous directors. Yeah, yeah. But we've never done, like, another month, like a Scorsese month part two, which I think m- maybe we will do this month. 
I'm glad that we watched this film and I had a great time watching it because my response or thoughts for Scorsese after last week's kind of went down, to be honest. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and our conversation on the podcast around the Wolf of Wall Street sort of cemented the fact that I was like, that was a spectacle movie. And I just don't care about spectacle movies all that much. Um, I get it. Like the industry wants to watch, you know, Avatar, the way of water. I don't care about Avatar, the way of water. I didn't want to go see it. I didn't even like the first one. You know, people talk, you know what movie I need to revisit is Jurassic Park. Cause when I watched that as a kid, I didn't care. That movie is amazing. I was like this. That movie really is great. (laughs) I know. I know. But for me, I was like, so there's dinosaurs. Is that it? I think I didn't understand. I didn't understand if there was any more depth to it. And I know you can get on to the whole, like, you know, there's a philosophical discussion uh, around science, whatever, pushing it too far. And I don't really remember any of the character drama or what it's trying to say about it. But, um, my response as a kid was that was spectacle and I just don't care that much about like dinosaur Island, you know? Um, so I'm excited to revisit it. Wolf of wall street spectacle on this whole rich, you know, kind of playboy lifestyle sort of thing. Great. Not something I'm drawn to. Right. And as I was thinking about it, you might've heard on last episode that I was, I was Comparing Wolf of Wall Street to Fincher movies, but mistaking it for a Scorsese movie. That happened like once or twice in my mind. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on me, I was like, I love Fincher. Like, <laughs> like straight up. Like I was like, I'm in love, I'm in love with Fincher's movies. Even the ones that I had kind of a troubling viewing experience. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is one of those movies. I wasn't on that episode, but when when I watched some of it to review it. I was like, this is too much for me. Like, I can't handle it. this kind of movie. It's a little too far for me. But at the same time, I was like, Fincher's pretty, like, he's thinking about something pretty deep here. You know? I was like, sure, it might not be for me, but there was something to that film that was kind of hitting home. I don't know why. Uh, or I don't quite understand it. And I don't really want to, I don't really want to understand it. I'm good leaving it where I, <laughs> where I watch enough of it, right? Um, so then I started reflecting on Scorsese movies, and I do want a refresher about what he is most known for. So I'm going to pull up his stuff. But the thing I really think about with um, Scorsese and the experiences I've had with him was watching Goodfellas, which I really loved. And then The Irishman, which I thought was one of the deepest movies I had seen at that point. Mm. Um. So then to see The Wolf of Wall Street, which is kind of in that middle period of, you know, him being artistic, but him also trying to, you know, say something kind of deep. I don't know. Like, it came out of left field for me, um, for my kind of perceived idea of what Scorsese or who Scorsese, you know, like is and what kind of movies he makes. I was like, I just didn't expect that from him in like the teen movies. I didn't just from the past movies I've, I've watched. Um, I didn't expect that kind of film from him. Um, and then I looked, I was like, okay, taxi driver. I didn't really like that movie. I don't really remember it <laughs> too. That's the other thing. I kind of just think it's, it's 
like one of those things that people talk about. Oh, like there he does all that. That it's like a evolution of Mean Streets, which I also didn't really like all that much. <laughs> um, and then Shutter Island, I was like, that was a good movie, but I could kind of, I I kind of like was like I left it for what it was. I didn't really like. And so then I was thinking about that. And I was like, man, like I like Fincher a lot more than Scorsese. Mm. Um, and to then for you to say, you know what? We should watch The Departed. I was like, all right. You know, I, I got, I have some pretty, I, 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 I thought about it. I feel like I'm kind of mid, you know, I'm kind of mid on Scorsese right now. So we watched The Departed, Jules and I. I like this movie a lot. I think what's really cool about it is that it came out in 2006 and I feel like there's something about this film that is pulling from seven. Uh, It's pulling from, or, or, or it's inspiring structural drama that I think is picked up from the dark Knight trilogy. There's something that's really linked in my mind about that. And it still has that Scorsese spin of mobsters and, and so, like, it's kind of like, it feels like the mix of what you know Scorsese for, mm-hmm. you know, all done in this really nice package. And I, and for those of you who don't know what the movie's about, just some context, it's, I think the, the design of the drama is incredible. I was halfway through the movie, I was telling people about it because uh, I had to go to this social function. So I watched half of it. And I was like, yeah, I'm watching this movie, The Departed. It's about a rat in the police station who's like ratting for the mob and there's a rat in the mob working for the police station and like that's just a great setup yeah like you know like that's just like an awesome film idea um the acting is incredible the cast is is super fun i think the only thing that this movie feels a little a little like half-baked is the ending although it closes full circle and i think the final scene really redeems like the conclusion of it but like when i was watching it i watched it with jules and she said it was good but she felt unsatisfied by the ending just as kind of like a general viewer and she's like i just she was like i didn't love the decision to end it the way that it did and we'll get into spoilers Mm -hmm. for that because i think i don't want i don't want to spoil uh too much if you haven't seen the film Overall, good. How am I feeling about Scorsese? A little better, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay. Like, there's, there's something about it that is clicking again. Um, and I, I just I also one last thing to add. I, I think, I think I was being a little hard on him last week, so it was good to be reminded, like. He's a great director. Yeah. Even though I might like Fincher more, it was it was a good reminder. I was like, okay, I can I can watch that. This is like he's great at the popcorn thing. It made me want to watch Goodfellas again because I was like, oh yeah, that I remember that movie being super. Fun, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I I definitely so. I like Goodfellas a lot more than I like The Departed. Um, yeah. Let me just tell you some of my hangups that I had uh, watching sure. it this time because it's I love that you love it the first time and I feel like most everybody does. Um, yeah. I I don't want to say this to disparage the movie necessarily because I think I think it is um, it is pretty impressive and I I like how I like how it's all put together. 
I think here's here's my issue though. Um I think some of the construction of the way that um certain information is given to you um it's like a little bit drip fed for the first uh third of the movie. And so even though I knew, you know, I had seen it before, I knew where where, you know, some some things happened, I was like I was rem- remembering that I never had like a revelatory experience of like, oh my goodness, this is like, this is what's happening. Because a lot of the information that is set up in the beginning, right, with who's the mole, who's the rat and blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, it's the setup of the movie, but it kind of takes its time in introducing you to these characters. And it gives you some of this, um, some of this backstory, some of them going through the, uh, you know, through the uh, process of becoming cops and blah, blah, blah. But it's a little bit before you know, um, like what the problem is, I guess. Right. And so that right. that yeah. was a, a bit of a hurdle for me watching it this time, where I was like, I was like, okay, by the time you find out who the where the problem is, you know, it's it's not quite as um, I don't know if it's as interesting as if you found out the problem first and then you found the characters afterwards, if you, if that makes sense. So that mm. was kind of my problem was like a, a construction issue with, with the way that the, that, that the story is set up. Um, and I will say that, that this movie is based off of a, um, a very, very popular at the time, uh, Chinese movie that came out called infernal affairs. And so it's, it's basically a direct rip from the, um, from the screenplay and they, they, you know, uh, William Monaghan wrote it based off of the English translation of the screenplay. And then, um, neither him nor Scorsese, I'd actually watched the movie, uh, before making the movie, which is probably smart. You know, you don't want to cross wires too much, but he read the, you know, the translation obviously. And that's kind of how he, he came up with the, the major thrust of the, of the movie. So, um, you know, that just to give a little context there, um, so I wonder if that's a a problem with like the main uh story of Infernal Affairs. I've actually never seen it. Um but that that was kind of my my biggest hurdle was like like by the time you get to that point where you're you, you know you're finding out who the uh you're finding out like what the actual issue is, like what the the thrust of the issue is, is it enough to to make you care about it at that point? And, uh, I guess it was for you. So maybe that, um, that criticism doesn't really apply for me. I was a little left, um, not, not unsatisfied, but I, I just felt like the last half of the movie is way better than the first half of the movie, like miles better. Um, I think, yeah, the beginning struggles with trying to help the audience figure out who they're supposed to be following because it introduces characters sort of in the wrong order, and then it only does the character introduction for Matt Damon correctly, where it's like you see his origin, upbringing, and where he's going. Like he's you're, Matt Damon is a very open book. Like you, the audience knows more about him than the rest of the world knows. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas Leonardo DiCaprio's character. 
he's introduced. You see him and you recognize him because you're like big actor. I see big actor, you know. Um, but you don't quite understand what's going on with him, what his backstory is. They explain it pretty quickly. Uh, in a scene where you're, he's kind of halfway through the process that you witness the full process for uh, Matt Damon, right, right? Right, right. So it's like they're like, "Well, we're sending you to jail," and you're like, "What? Like, <laughs> like what is even going on here?" You know, yeah, like, yeah. like I'm, I'm very confused. Um, then the movie takes a good amount of time with um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, who is the um, He's the and I'll, I'll get the names of the the, the characters. Billy Although, Corrigan. I don't know if that's even. Yeah. So Billy, um, he was connected to crime and mobs, but he kind of chooses to be a cop because that connection severed by the death of his parents. Right. Um, the cops find out about that. They're like, dude, even if you did have a good heart, like you're built for the mob thing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to basically send you in there. You're going to be a mobster, but you're going to be undercover and no one's going to know who you are. Even the cops will shoot at you. The cops won't know. And that's what makes you a good cover, you know? Um, whereas uh, Matt Damon's character, Colin Sullivan, he, from the beginning of the movie, you see him as a kid interact with Jack Nicholson's, um, mob boss character uh frank costello so like um colin matt damon you see as a kid interacting with a mob boss he's grown up he's in the police department training he has all these beautiful accolades right like he's like oh he's like a well well respected you know guy on the up and up right he has awards and he's like top of his class he's basically groomed uh, from you know, from childhood to be a plant, to be a, you know, a rat yes, in the police yes. department, you know? Yes. Um, and there's some great open, I actually love the opening scenes with Jack Nicholson's character. Who's um, so evil. Frank He's so evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like they, they make some great decisions with, I don't know if it's CGI, but his character is like sheathed in darkness uh, the entire opening scene, like he's totally underlit. It's not um, CGI. Even but. Jewel. Okay. Jules noticed it too, which was like, I, she was like, I noticed like how weird that looks, you know? I was like, do you see that? She's like, yeah. I was like, I'm literally, it's impossible to not notice, you know, that he's like this shadowy figure, um, in fully lit rooms, you know? Um, and then he's, he's kind of revealed once he's interacting with, Colin as a as a kid um so I think I do agree with you I think the beginning of the movie takes a while to set up the pieces on the board and then when it starts going uh it's good it's really yeah. good you're you're totally wrapped in I also think that Leonardo DiCaprio's character is like way more sympathetic <laughs> you really yeah. you really almost could have watched the whole movie from his perspective with everyone else being a side character but it 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 wants to it wants to like make jack nicholson be a main character and matt damon a main character it's like everyone is fighting to be a main character in this movie almost like a tv show there's something about it that feels like it could have been um some kind of like hbo series or something like that um 
but instead it's a longer movie. Um, so I, I, I do agree with you. I think we'll get into the spoilers of the ending of why that kind of didn't click with me, but it does feel like a 2006 ending, <laughs> you know, a post fight club era. And yeah, a little bit, you know? a little bit. Um, um, well, I will say I really enjoy the, um, you know, obviously Leonardo DiCaprio's character is much more sympathetic, obviously, cause he's the, <laughs> he's the good guy doing, you know, the bad guy things. Um, but I like the dual protagonists a lot. And I think that construction of having both of them re- be really close to, you know, this kind of evil father figure of uh, mm-hmm. Frank Costello, I think that works really well. And, you know, as much as you see of, of Frank, you know, each picture that you get of him is like more and more unhinged, you know? And so, so I think mm-hmm. there's, there's something very ominous about him. There's something very interesting about that, that performance too. And so, you know, when you, when you have this guy who's kind of trying to play the normal life role in Matt Damon, you know, where, where he's, he's playing the cop and he's, you know, he's trying to give information and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that's, I, I like that he's, he's like the hateable villain even more so than, um, than, uh, Jack Nicholson's character where, you know, he's, he's obviously Nicholson is obviously evil. He's pure evil and he's doing just, just terrible things. Um, but the lies are almost more, uh, what, you know, offends you about, about Matt Damon's character, right? You know, he's kind of, he's just spineless. He's totally, um, just a, a cowardly person. And, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, he has to go out and do like the terrible things. <laughs> like he's, he's the one who's, who's in the thick of it all, um, as the, as the undercover cop, you know, he's got to beat people mm-hmm. up. He's got to be there when, you know, people get murdered and, you know, it's not fun. And he's, he's on like the constant verge of, of being, you know, caught essentially. And so that to me, you know, that interplay of, of like hating this guy who's pretending to be normal and then liking this guy who's pretending to be evil, you know, there's something, there's something very interesting about that construction. And I think it works really well with the two of them. Um, yeah, I just think, I think the, the setup could have been, if not tighter, just more, I just, it just needed to be a little better constructed in my, in my mind. Um, I don't think it's, it's the best, the best way to introduce those two characters. Cause you, you, you're right. You spend a lot of time with, um, with, with Matt Damon's character and you probably have to, but at the same time you, you're kind of thrown into, um, uh, you know, into the character of, of Billy, like halfway through the process. So, um, and maybe, maybe that's okay because he's the one you like, I guess at, at the end of the day. So maybe that's not even the worst thing, but I don't know. To me, I struggled a little bit at the very beginning of this movie and then towards the, towards the end, I mean, there's just some amazing stuff with, with the double crossing, the, um, 
you know, the, are they going to find out? Is the police force going to find out about, uh, about Colin? Is the mob going to find out about Billy? You know, the stakes are so high, uh, near the end yeah. of the movie that I think it, it redeems itself in my mind. But, um, mm. I, yeah, should we should we just talk about the of at the end and about all the crazy stuff that happens near the <laughs> the end of the movie? Yeah, we we'll get into it. I do want to talk a little bit more about Jack Nicholson for okay. a second. I don't get this guy. I got to be honest with you. I don't know if I haven't seen the movie that he's known for but it's like it's impossible for me to disconnect him from the shining um that is like his role and i can never see him as anything else um (laughs) because it's like you watch that movie and you're like this is not this is like the perfect casting for this character like he has this blank stare that is kind of, it's like creepy but then he has a charisma in that movie as well that's like kind of Harrison Ford-esque and then it unhinges into this like slasher character in that film but for some reason he's able to be all three of those things at the same time um, and, and a, a dad who's on the brink of just snapping right yeah um so i don't know like it's weird because like when he's charming in that movie he's charming when he's um like kind of that zoned out creepy like guy he's that when he's a father he's believable but one thing and it like kind of breaks apart right Lots of people have talked about The Shining, but that's what I know Jack Nicholson for. So to see him playing a mob boss, I was like, I don't know. You know, like I'm watching this movie. I'm like, I don't know if I see it. I don't know if it clicks with me. So when you're like, oh, he's pure evil. I was like, he was kind of funny in this movie. Like, I kind of thought he was funny in the movie. And I know that's not necessarily <laughs> what they were going for. But I just can't get away from it, you know? The only other role that I have never seen that I could believe it is that he's cast as the Joker in 1989's Batman. And that casting, I'm like, okay, yeah, like I could, I could see Jack Nicholson being the Joker. Like that makes sense. <laughs> being a mob boss, I was like, this is like one goofy mob boss. And when he comes out like with his hands covered in blood and stuff, I'm like, I, I get. I don't know. Like it's not Polly, you know. It's not Polly from Goodfellas. Like Polly from no, Goodfellas. no. But it's like that's it's it's someone who delights in kind of the bad stuff that he's doing. You know, like you're right that he's kind of funny, but it's because he's he's like enjoying being a villain. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's like comically evil in this. Yeah, for in sure. This movie, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, the- like it's. <laughs> Like even the way he carries himself in scenes is like he's basically the comic relief of he, the film. In some ways, he's like if my grandpa was like um, super into like uh, murder and drug dealing. You know what I mean? Like yeah, where you know yeah. where you know you're you know you've got your grandpa. He's like 
he was like, okay, grandpa, you know, you can't say that it's 2023, you know, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But I, I just, I feel like he, I like, I like his, his performance in this, in this movie. I think out of all of the things that he did of this era, this is like probably the one that, um, is his best. Um, mm. but to me, I like that kind of old, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want to, uh, you know, whatever I want to, whatever I need to do to get to the top. Um, and everybody else is going down around me. Like, I think his, his attitude in this movie makes sense to me where, you know, he's, he's someone who stands above all else, like for himself and is able to intimidate other people because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think his partner was much more believable as like the scary stoic mob boss kind of guy. Um, and they contrast each other really well. I, I want to clarify, like, I don't dislike his performance in this movie. I think it's, it's good. Um, I just am not sure about him as an actor. <laughs> like, I just don't know where to, like, I have no idea where to stand with Jack Nicholson. I have no idea. Um, like Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, you see him in some movies, you're like, yeah, you know, like he's, a He's that he's that kind of actor, you know. He's like, you know, like you get him, Matt Damon. You want to punch him in the face, you know. Like he's just one of those guys. You just want to punch him, you know. Um, even what really threw me off in this movie with actors is like um, Mark Wahlberg and Matt Damon being in the same movie was so jarring <laughs> for me. I just could not handle it. I was like, what is going on? Like these guys are the same people in my mind, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's so and funny. to see them like fist fighting in this movie i was like what is guy i don't know what's happening he's yeah. really good i like um, mark, mark Wahlberg in this movie actually um and it's funny because they I, you know he's i think he's from boston um he's from yeah, like yeah. you know how they were saying like southie um he he uh-huh. like grew up in that um that yeah. co- sort of vibe so i think he was perfect to be like this this kind of brash uh, young cop who's like, you know, really, you know, out there making waves and, you know, totally has an attitude problem, but is like from the, from the slums, basically, you know, he's totally um, in the thick of it. I feel like, I feel like he's a really good choice for that. Um, I loved, I loved. That's the thing. It's like Mark Wahlberg. He's a much more likable actor. And he's in much worse movies, you know, like, like he's always in worse movies than, uh, than Matt Damon, you know? Um, but he, you just like him a lot mm. more, even though I didn't like Boogie Nights, you know? <laughs> but he's great in that movie. And too. I'm, sc- I'm scarred by him in that movie. <laughs> My goodness. Um, yeah, you just, he's, he's great in this, in this film. And I think it's probably time to talk about some spoilers because we can't really talk much more about his character uh, without getting into it. So if you're interested, Cameron, let's just do a recommendation really fast before we totally like, you know, spoil the whole thing. 
Do you recommend The Departed? I do. I think it's worth watching, especially if you're into crime, kind of twisty movies. I think I might have lied earlier when I said I had only watched this once. I think I watched this with Kiana one time because she likes like twisty movies like this. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think if you're into that, this is this is a really good one. It's a great first watch, and I think it has a lot of the energy that you would come to expect from Scorsese. Um, you know, it's fun, it's violent, it's kind of popcorny, but it's you know it's just interesting and um, got a lot of. It just has a lot of you know intrigue with all the the plot lines going around it. Um, do I think there are better Scorsese movies? Yes, but. Uh, this one's pretty good. I I would I would give it a recommendation. So, yeah, I would do the same. I really I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was great. I don't have anything too negative to say about it. I feel like it's pretty like you know it's a mob cop movie, and it kind of reminded me of Batman in some moments, but. Like you heard, you heard the structure. Like you're probably interested if you're interested, and um, I think it's a great ride. So watch it. Definitely didn't feel as long as it should have felt. Yeah, so that's true. I would I would say that's that's high praise. So let's talk about that ending, Cameron. Let's talk about that <laughs> ending. Well, um, first let's talk about um, let's talk about Jack Nicholson's death, actually. Because I think okay, that's an interesting... Sure. Let's talk about the deaths. All the period. deaths. All the deaths. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Martin Sheen getting thrown off the building. That is an amazing scene. It's so good. Like, every yeah. single second of that scene, I think, is the... It's it, it, That's the best scene in the movie. 100%. Y- mm, you've, get, yeah. you've got, um, you know, Matt Damon. He's tailing this guy. He meets up with the informant. The informant is there. He's like, I need you guys to, like get this guy the inf- you know and then he tells he tells the crew that he's supposed to be snitching on uh you know where they are and then <laughs> everything's a mess it all gets thrown you know in into the wind and i i just think that scene is is like incredible it really is some of the best like layering of um multiple plot lines all into one with this like culminating decisive moment that you know, changes the course of, of whatever's going on next, basically, you know, that, that scene I think is really, really spectacular. Um, and, and I love, um, I, right after that, uh, there's a scene in like the, the mob boss warehouse where, um, the guy who's an FBI informant comes over and he, you know, he, he calls uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character over and he's basically like, I know you're an informant. Tell me right. why I yeah. know. That moment, <laughs> that, that moment was like, I was like jumping up and down <laughs> almost. That was like, that was definitely the, the culmination of, of the drama. It's um, so good. Yeah. yeah. Because it does, they don't really tell, like, you could totally miss it if you weren't paying attention, but the way they design it is, like, the mob informants, so the guys in the mob that are telling, you know, the FBI about what's going on, or the police station about what's going on, right? Those, 
those informants are so undercover that they don't even know if their partners are crime or yeah. cop, right? And it like the one of the guys gets shot in the whole mix up where um the cops are called on to you know um basically like Leonardo DiCaprio's character is meeting up with Martin Sheen who's his connection to the police station like his only lifeline and he's like you got to get me out of here but Matt Damon's character is tailing Martin Sheen who's like this captain guy right um because Matt Damon's the rat but he's like told the police station that Martin Sheen could yeah. be the rat you know <laughs> Like the the police chief could be the rat, even though he's the rat. So it's like he's commanding the whole police station as the rat after the only guy that could save Leonardo DiCaprio. And so then he like calls um, like Matt Damon also calls the mob and says, hey, the your rat is meeting here. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's why, like, guns start firing because the cops and the mobsters land on the same place because they're both trying to figure out who the rat is, you know? Um, And so that's, like, there's this great scene where the police chief or the captain is thrown off the roof. Martin Sheen is thrown off the roof. He, like, splats on the ground and all that stuff. Um, And one of the mobsters gets shot. And that I think that's what makes it so great is, um, like... Leonardo DiCaprio is pretending to have gotten there late, even though he was on the roof. Uh, and the, the mobster who got shot in the warehouse and the aftermath was like, Hey, here's the funny thing. Like you got there, you were at the address, but I gave you a wrong address, <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. what he says. He's like, I gave you the wrong address. So how did you know where to go? And, and then like Leonardo DiCaprio like reaches for his gun and he's like, but I didn't tell anyone else. Tell me why I didn't tell anyone else. You know yeah. why. And it's like, oh, like it's like a double. Car- and then he dies right there. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those scenes where you're like now, like, you know, um, like Bill's really screwed too. Totally. Like he's got no one left to, to get him out. He doesn't get along with Mark Wahlberg, who knows about him, which leads to an even a better scene where. Leonardo DiCaprio has this connection to Matt Damon through Matt Damon's girlfriend, right? And we didn't really get into that. I thought that was a strange coincidence, you know? <laughs> um, I would say on a second viewing, I might not be as like compelled by that. The girlfriend plot. stuff is kind of weird. Um, I, I, it's yeah. obviously it's it's a carryover from from the original, but I was reading that they they combined two different characters um, into yeah. one. Which kind of makes sense, right? You know, the drama is elevated where, you know, both of them are kind of on and off seeing this this one lady. Obviously, the coincidence is, is a little whack, but... Um, and, and the fact that she's, like, his former therapist and she also starts, like, a thing with him. She's sleeping with everyone in the police That's very weird. You know? um, totally, you know, I, I don't know feels like that breaches some ethics, you know, there's some ethical violations mm. there. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I like the theory of those scenes where it's like, 
oh, you know, Matt Damon, he's trying to be a normal guy, but he's totally a rat. Um, you know, I like that, I guess. I just, I don't know. This viewing, I really couldn't care less about it. I thought all those scenes yeah. bothered me a little bit. Um, yeah. Took me out of what I thought were, you know, the real meat and potatoes of of what was going on there. Right, you want to see more of Leo in the movie. Yeah, for know? sure. You're like, yeah, I what you're like, how's he gonna but get But less out? of Leo yeah. complaining to his therapist. <laughs> yes. You don't care about those scenes. You're like, I want to see him talk to Jack Nicholson and almost be discovered. Yeah, him, yeah, exactly. Know? Uh th- those are the scenes that are super compelling. Or um whenever he's talking to uh Mr. French, yeah. right? And and there <laughs> there there's like the um Mr. French is a great a great character in the movie too. Um, he's like the, the um, Jack Nicholson's like tried and true mobster friend. Who's like never going to let him down. They have like this super deep friend friendship in their crime uh, syndicate or whatever. Um, so yeah, like the, the girlfriend thing, it all, it all kind of culminates with like Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, well, okay. Jack Nicholson's death. I guess we should. Yeah, we were gonna talk about that. Sorry, I'm getting yeah. off track here. Why well, it's an it's um, an interesting thing where he's taken it. Colin's character has taken it so far with the department that there's basically no no going back. You know, he can't. He's forced yeah, into yeah. a position where he has to catch um, Frank Costello. There's basically no reason that he shouldn't. Um, and so, you know, when he does it's almost like he makes up an excuse to, to find a way to have double crossed him. Right. Like there's, you know, when he, yeah. when he talks about being an informant, it's like, yeah, it's, it's weird. Cause it's, it's like he cares about his job all of a sudden. Um, or yeah. he, he's kind of, he's in this place where he's like, well, I don't want to get fired, you know. You know, there's something about that where it's like you're already working for like, <laughs> the, yeah, you know, the mob boss. Like, is he giving you kickbacks or something? Like, what's the deal here? What's what's going on? Like, is he, you know, obviously he's worried about him getting caught in corruption or whatever. But, um, I just find that angle to be kind of interesting, and and it does it does give their um their final moments a little bit of of color and, and drama. But I, I just, it's a, it's a really good construction of like, he, he has to give, give Frank up basically. Like he's forced into, into doing it. Otherwise he would be found out as the, being the mole, you know, there's, there's no other way to, Mm. to, to get out of that. So I like that wrinkle. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden they're alone again in the, uh, <laughs> they're alone together in the, you know, with the, with the big scooper or whatever. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I, I think that's, what's really weird about it is that you never, you kind of want a moment with Frank and William, you know, because that's who you see kind of develop this trust and friendship mm. throughout the movie. Um, whereas the relationship derived from Frank and um, Colin through the, through the film, 
like Matt Day. I'm I feel bad for saying the names. It's Matt Damon and Jack Nicholson, right? Like they're introduced early on, but you don't see them be friends outside of like Jack Nicholson being the father figure, calling him on the phone. What are you doing? You know, da da da. Do all this stuff, right? Um, and how Matt Damon's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. You know me. I'm never, I would never let you down. And then Jack Nicholson hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio, who's proving himself, and they're actually kind of becoming friends, even though. You know, DiCaprio's like, I don't want to be in this life, yeah. you know, like he hates being there, you know. Um, so like it was weird to not see like a Mexican standoff between the mm. three. But there is something that's kind of like that father figure relationship falling apart with the gunshot. That's kind of cool. I just think it was weird. I totally agree with you. It's like Matt Damon's like, OK, we're going to catch him the whole time. They're like you guys could have caught this guy the whole time, you know, like why right <laughs> yeah, now, you know? Yeah. And, and he's like, okay, well now we have enough or we don't have enough. We're just going to go get him. What were they waiting for the whole movie? You know, that's what I'm kind of confused about. Right. Like, well, they were waiting for him to commit they... a crime. Basically. I think, I, I don't know that they had him like actually being there committing a crime before that, I guess. I guess, I guess I just, it was kind of strange where they're like, okay, now suddenly we're going to go after him. And when they decide to go after him also, like, I don't remember why, but Leonardo DiCaprio was like, I'm going to just run out the back. I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, why is he just running out the back out of nowhere? You know? And then does he ever like, where does he go? Well, he's on the run. You know? I like, mean, I'm not he, sure. he was, you know, he, he narrowly escaped being shot by cops in a, you know, in this big drug bust, basically. <laughs> but how did he know? Well, he was the one who tipped that... off Colin. Remember, he was he texted Colin that that's where they were going to be. And so, if Colin, oh, so I didn't. Pick so, up on if that. Colin, that was a thing. If Colin didn't relay that information, he would know, or Leonardo DiCaprio's character would know that Colin was a rat. So he was trying to cover himself by saying. Oh, I'm not okay. See, I didn't, yeah, I didn't pick up on I'm, that. I'm not the rat. We're actually going to go get him, basically. You know, so, so because he got was giving it, that new it. lead, that new information to Colin, who he had, remember, he had called on the phone with the dead police commissioner's mm-hmm, phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. so, you know, he was basically like, hey, you know, you know, I'm trusting you now with this information, even though you could be the rat basically. And so if he, if it did come down to him being the rat, then he would have gotten caught for it. So here's what I'm confused yeah. about at the end. Leonardo DiCaprio comes in, Jack Nicholson's yeah. dead, right? Mob boss is dead. The informant in the mob comes into the police station. Hey, good job. You know, Matt Damon, who's the rat is like rat in the police station's like, great job soldier glad you came back even though he's a rat and he's the bad guy right so there's like a a thing earlier on where matt damon got social security numbers to figure out who the informant is in the mob to find the mob rat leonardo dicaprio sees in their conversation about good job you know being a, a foreman he sees that envelope on matt damon's desk right so now Leonardo DiCaprio knows, yeah. right? Okay, Matt Damon is the rat. Matt Damon knows that Leonardo DiCaprio is the 
is the rat for the mob. What is he going to do about it? Like, why does it matter? Like, that's what I'm confused about. Like, he goes back to his computer to be like, this is the identity. But, like, who's he going to tell? Well, everyone got shot up. Well, he was just going to give him the money. You know, he he was going to do his thing. Obviously, he looked up some more information about him, you know, and that's kind of what what gave him the uh, the view of of his desk, right? What gave Leonardo DiCaprio's character the view that that oh, he actually is a rat. Um, but I think he was just going to kind of quietly sunset him and be like, "All right, no more no more questions about that." And and I assume he was either going to go over with with Frenchie or. Uh, maybe he was gonna take that to to you know one of the associates. What do you mean, friend? Mr. Everyone's French. dead. Uh, Mr. French is was dead. Was he dead? Did he die? He shoots himself. Oh, in you're the right. Head. He does. He does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no, who's no, no. left? It's, you know? it's true. But I think I think at this point his mind was in self preservation mode, right? Of basically okay. like right. sunset this this informant, get him out of here. And then we'll just move on with uh, with the rest of what we're doing. No longer a rat, basically. Just gonna just gonna move quietly on as a normal police officer. <laughs> yeah. So Leonardo DiCaprio, obviously, with that discovery, is like, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna get this guy, even though he just said I'm done being a cop. In that same scene, I'm done being a cop. Now he's like, I'm going to be a cop as soon as he sees that. Get some evidence pulled out of nowhere. You know, oh, Frank recorded all his conversations, of course, even though we've never seen that. Um, And he threatens Matt Damon and says, meet me at this roof. Then, like, Matt Damon goes, but he brings back up. It's a great scene where everyone shoots yeah, each other. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, um, I love uh, Anthony Anderson. I think he's hilarious. I always think about him in Transformers <laughs> One. He's a shut up, Grandma. <laughs> I love that. I love that scene. Um, but he's great in in this movie where he comes on the roof with a gun. Leonardo DiCaprio and him went to school yeah. together which they show at the beginning. So that circles back. He's like, you know me. He's like, you know me. I'm not a criminal. You know me. I was in the academy with you. So there's, a, you could tell like um, the, the partner is like super like, oh, he's right. I do know him. He was in the academy with me. He was like in my class, you know? And uh, so there's hesitation. Leonardo DiCaprio's arresting Matt Damon and being all rough. And Matt Damon's like, you don't know what you're like. You, what are you going to do? Arrest me? Like I'm a, I'm a cop. Like, what are you talking about? Um, they, Leonardo DiCaprio gets a bullet in the brain from an, a secondary backup. And that backup was also a plant from the mob. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is like, what? So that, that plant shoots Leonardo DiCaprio when he walks downstairs, right. Or goes down the elevator. Um, Anthony, uh, Anshin, the, the the partner that you know from earlier in the movie comes downstairs. The second partner shoots him as well. He looks at Matt Damon and says, we are both rats. We're, it's just you and me now. As soon as he says that, Matt Damon shoots that guy <laughs> right there. You know, he's like, well, no one can know. Yeah. You know, walks out. He it's like this really 
icky ending where Matt Damon's like, I just want to give the Medal of Honor to Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. I found I found the rat in the office. You know, you're like, oh gosh, like this is not the ending I want. Then um Matt Damon goes home and you see Mark Wahlberg with like the suppressed pistol and the full, like, you know, Walter White suit. <laughs> He just like shoots him right there, and it's pretty cool. Like that scene is like, like Mark Wahlberg's like the beast of the movie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the the one guy that figured it out. You know, um, and then he also goes full vigilante as well. Like <laughs> in, the, in that scene, and just shoots the rat, and the camera pans out onto the cityscape, and the rat is on the thing. It's like all right, you know, like very very um like dark ending but but it's like it kind of hits right yeah you know i Um, like the ending i feel like obviously it's it's a little silly you know there's no there's no disputing that the movie itself is is over the top i mean it's based off of a chinese film so you know what are you what are you gonna do um but i i think like the whole you know everybody double crossing everybody in the elevator. That scene is really, really awesome. And then you're right. You know, he gets away pretty much with, with, with everything. Um, and there is something a little unsettling about that where you're like, Oh man, you know, this guy who we've come to hate, who's, you know, he's the one who's lost, you know, it's like, he's, um, he's failing his way upwards up this, you know, ladder of the, the police hierarchy, you know, he's, he's making, he's, he's the one who's double crossing everybody, but somehow he's, uh, you know, making moves to be, you know, the chief of police, essentially, you know, he's like, he's, he's going up in the department. Um, and somehow he's the one who comes out scot-free in all this. And so there's there's some mm. injustice there where you're like, oh man, you know, like we love Leonardo DiCaprio's character, like why couldn't he be the one to to come out alive, to come out clean? Um, but then you're right, yeah, Mark Wahlberg, he just you know says nothing and and <laughs> shoots him in the head. It's awesome. It's a great it's a great scene. It's a great ending. I feel like, um, though. You kind of here's what I wanted. You don't get this, I don't think. But I uh I'm interested in remember there's that scene where uh Leo comes to the this is like right before he's about to set up uh uh Matt Damon's character. And he he goes to the the counselor uh lady and he gives her an envelope. Um, and says, if anything happens to me, you know, open this envelope, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess you assume that it's like the same CD that she ends up listening to, but I kind of wanted there to be something with that. I feel like that was a little, little loose end that wasn't, wasn't quite tied together that I wanted something more out of like, I don't know what, I don't know what would have been in the envelope other than the CD. But, um, I kind of, I kind of wanted there to be, to be something else, I guess. I, that didn't come back. Yeah. I, I think, I think that Mark Wahlberg's character, even though his ending is great, could have been 
fleshed out a little yeah. more. Um, and I wish that he didn't have such an adversarial relationship with Leonardo DiCaprio. Like it, it works, but it doesn't like, it doesn't do much, you know? Um, whereas maybe the envelope could have played into a part with, um, with Mark Wahlberg or maybe Mark Wahlberg could have been at the, the final confrontation with the elevator and stuff. I don't know. The ending, it works. It's good. I don't really think it's, um, it's not perfect, but it's, it's still, you know, it serves what it needs to do. I do think that the girlfriend plot stuff is kind of the weakest, but, um, I will say like the, the girlfriend stuff, like when I was watching it with Jules, she was like, Oh, I know what's going to happen. Like five minutes into the movie. She's like, she's like, they're both going to be, you know, with her. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you know? Like, and I was like, I think you're right. And then sure yeah. enough, you know, um, so Most I don't know, predictable. Like, I guess it serves some, yeah, some sort of something. Here's the know. thing. It's, it serves how, something, you know, I don't want to. Never mind. I'm not gonna. Say, I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say. This this is just a, an unusual situation where, um, where where Leo and Matt Damon are both seeing this 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 lady. I mean, she seems nice enough and all, but but her character is really, you know, I don't know. I just I feel like. I you know this I mean this actress Vera Farminga I I don't I did I literally like I've never seen her in a movie so I'm looking at some of her movies she's in The Conjuring and Conjuring Two and stuff um looks like you know but I thought she was like I thought her the way she acted with the part and stuff was good you know I think she has a little bit of spunk um in in the interactions I like I actually like the first scene where um. Leonardo DiCaprio goes there and starts like kind of busting her balls yeah. about it. You know, like just like, like he's like, aren't you supposed to help me from kill myself? Maybe I should just shoot myself right now. You know, like that's, that yeah. seems pretty good. Um, and, and she like shows some character in that scene. Like she walks out and she's like, Hey, you know, like don't talk to me that way. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. Like that. I like that stuff. I just think it's, there are certain side characters that aren't um, fleshed out enough. And then there are certain characters that are, maybe spent too much time with when we kind of get it, you know, I'd say Matt Damon's character is, you don't really want to spend that much time with him. And they take, he takes up a good amount of screen time. Jack Nicholson's goofy. You know, you kind of want to see him popping up here and there, but like, I don't know. I, I think, I think we could have cut some stuff here and, and got some more, some other, uh, pieces on the board instead of like spectators on the side. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, I, think I think you're right about I, Mark Wahlberg and that he, he should have had a bigger role. It's a nice way to bring him back, you know, where he's, he's yeah, like gone yeah. from half the movie. Um, cause he, he quits basically. <laughs> um, he quits the, the mm-hmm. police department, not half the movie, but you know, the last third definitely. Um, so it's a, it is a nice yeah. way to bring him back where he's, he's kind of, He's the hard nosed 
cop and even his interaction with um with Leo in the beginning as adversarial as it is um there is something interesting about that where you know he's grilling him really hard and and there's you know I don't know that feels that feels authentic I guess uh, and I love I just I love him uh being a Bostonian, you know, cause he's, he's like the most real mm, of the, yeah. of everyone who's, who's got the accent, you know, he's, he's the one basically. <laughs> it's like, it, yeah, he loves it, it in this movie. You can tell he loves being full. It's like full impossible Boston. to, to understand what he's saying. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's good. It's a good movie. I, I think the the beginning's a little shaky. The ending is a it's functional, it's enjoyable, it's good sitting through. But yeah, that middle part is like whoa, you know, yeah. it's so good. Um, and uh, the more I talk about Scorsese, the more I'm like, you know, Fincher's just better. <laughs> you know, that's where these crime movies go. You gotta see Seven, man. Yeah, you gotta see I mean, it. Um, Different different movies, but also can't stop thinking about how that movie just doesn't stop. Like it just it's just excellent all the way through. Not a minute to spare. I think that's the thing about Scorsese is he he's always like, there's a minute to spare. And sometimes I'm down with that. When the Irishman, I'm down with that, you know? It takes a lot of time just hanging out with people. Um to me it that it's refined in that. Um but yeah, just uh, overall, two thumbs up. Recommend it. Um, I don't really feel like there's too much more to say. I know you mentioned that this movie won awards just because. I don't know. I didn't. I was listening to what you were saying, but I was also like, I've never heard of this. What is that? A uh, makeup? You were saying like just because? No, as like kind of a it? lifetime achievement award. Where, you know, they, they do this every now and then it's, it's the idea essentially that, um, yes, you were in a great movie this year. Maybe it wasn't the greatest movie that we've all seen, but you've never won it before. So we're going to give it to you, you know? So it's, it's a thing, but, um, yeah, to me, it's hard to say because obviously this was, I, I think, I think of all of the ones to get it, it should have been the Irishman. The Irishman was like his capstone yes. project. Um, and I'm very happy with, with Parasite, you know, winning best, best picture that year. I think, I think it was great. Oh, that's true. Uh, but is. I think the Irishman really is Scorsese's, no, maybe if it's not his best movie, it is definitely his most personal, most sincere. And it's one that I, I think you're right is, is just extremely deep, like deep down to the core. Um, and yeah, I love, I love that movie. I don't know that he's, um, there's something very, very special about that one to me, even at three and a half hours. Yeah. If you, if you thought the Irishman is boring, <laughs> I'm just going to help you. Okay. <laughs> The movie is about the guilt for the actions you have taken in your life and being faced with that guilt when you've tried to outrun it your whole life, okay? 
I can understand why some people might think that's very boring. They don't want to watch that. Okay, but as far as movies go, fantastic dialogue. Like, like I just the dialogue is like energetic. You're you're bought in with these old guys riffing, and then it shifts into that that conversation about like, what is this all worth? You know, it's it's a movie I think mm. about a lot, um, and. I don't, yeah, I mean, as far as the other Scorsese movies, I don't think about his other movies a lot. Although, on Friday, Cameron, you were like, we should watch Silence, which I have not been able to stop thinking about. I'm like, maybe we should give I it think, a shot. I, I think know. I want to, here's, here's my pitch to you, okay, in the next couple of weeks. Okay. okay. Uh, we got to wrap this up, and I got a question oh, from sure, Tim. Oh, sure, sure. But, well, I just want to pitch this to you first. I think we should do yeah. his two um, uh, most overtly religious movies and have a really interesting talk about those. We could do Last Temptation first and then Silence. Um, so Last Temptation is a very uh, interesting movie. It was very controversial at the time. Uh, but I think, I think it's going to be a really kind of interesting dis- discussion. And then Silence, to me, Silence is a extremely good film that I think we'll both have a really good conversation from. But I want to watch. I want to watch Last Temptation first. I think it's, um, it's it's probably important that we lay some groundwork. So, Happy Ooh, Easter! That's true. Happy Theology <laughs> Month. You know what I was going to say? If we're going to stick with this, we should, even though I don't think it's theologically accurate, what's that Willem Dafoe Jesus movie? You know, that, that's, uh, that didn't score That's the one. Do that? That's Last Temptation. Um, oh, oh, yeah. okay. All right. Sorry. I no, thought no, no. it was called Yeah, Last else. Temptation of Christ. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, of Christ. Sorry. Okay, you didn't yeah, finish yeah. that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I mean, if you don't know, Cameron and I both come from a Christian background, so nothing like Hollywood taking on the Bible. Well, this was kind of pre, (laughs) well, not pre-Hollywood. I mean, he's, he's kind of out on his own at this time doing, doing stuff in New York, just kind of chilling. All right. Sure you don't want to do Passion of the Christ? No, but I... I think I think this one will be very interesting. Th- this this movie was like hated when it came out. I just want you to know this. Um, that yeah, I believe it. Anything anything with a representation of Jesus on screen is just usually there hated. was a uh, there was I... a Catholic terrorist attack. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, at a at a movie theater in this movie yeah it was crazy here here is the thing i mean we can we'll get into it there but it's just like you're just you're just asking for it you know like i don't know i think it's i'm not saying that i'm I'm not saying that that was a justified (laughs) thing or that you know that's not what i'm saying i'm just i'm what i was trying to get at i'm sorry let me re let me backpedal okay (laughs) let me backpedal well you haven't seen the movie yet i mean you know you gotta (laughs) no 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 no. No, okay to talk about 
you know, Jesus on screen, I feel like it's a very difficult task to get away without criticism. You know, you mean that it it's and, it's fine if it was controversial, but it not not good that there was a terrorist attack. <laughs> Just to be very yes. clear, yeah, I was, I was saying it's expected to be controversial. Maybe, as a matter of fact, what I think is even worse about the representation of Jesus in cinema is that if you are not making a controversial version of Jesus, you're still doing it wrong. Because his character in the Bible is yeah, well, that's to the people of the culture, you know, at that time. And I haven't seen this movie. I just like I think that's what makes representing Jesus on screen very difficult. Um, and I think if you read the text and you're going to try to translate that into a story or a movie it's hard not to spin that character in a direction, you know? Um, it's like watching a documentary about, or it's like watching a, mo- a dramatic movie about, um, like, like some historical figure, like the writers are going to write in some kind of like character because it's like a movie and there's supposed to be a story, you know? Um, if you watch a movie about Napoleon, is that what Napoleon is really like? No, they're kind of piecing together this thing that people can put their finger on. And then if you attempt to make a character about someone who's claiming to be God and he's either a crazy person or telling the truth, it's like, (laughs) I don't know, like... I, I that's why I'm like it's gonna sparse some some well, I think I think so. it shows a lack of um here here's the thing okay Scorsese obviously he probably wasn't known for it back then um he grew up Catholic and he still considers himself Catholic he's um uh, you know he he called himself a lapsed Catholic because he got divorced um you know which it is what it is um, yeah, it's not allowed in the in the. It's yet, not it has to be sanctioned. Right? Yeah. Um, oh wow. Yeah. So you know he he says he considers considers himself a lapsed Catholic, but um, this is a movie where he's exploring. We'll talk about it later, but he's exploring the ideas of <laughs> spirituality, and it's taking taking certain ideas of that very seriously, and. I think it shows a real lack of of um, exploration on the part of these Catholic terrorists who, <laughs> you know, think it's it's not cool to to depict Jesus or whatever. I think I think it really they were like not it, enough. It, Mary. it shows bring in the, it shows bring in the that <laughs> people are are uncritical that they 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 don't think about what they're. Um, what their faith is. And this, this movie was a, um, as it says, this film is not based on the gospels, but upon the fictional exploration of the eternal spiritual conflict. It's a movie that is, is interested in exploring those ideas. So I don't think it needs to be, um, you don't need to bomb any movie theaters. Okay. It's not cool. (laughs) Well, I think that, that, that goes, I mean, 
Come on. Christians of all people. <laughs> Come on. All right. What are you guys doing? You didn't, you didn't think about the holy wars and you're just going to what? And I was telling you on Friday, I just found out about the Vatican. What is that? What's going <laughs> all on? Right, there? All right. All right. All right. Pill- <laughs> all right. Years of pillaging. All right. What? What's even happening? You know? Again, if you support us on Patreon, you can write in at the $5 level, have a question read on the show, like one of our least favorite patrons did this week, Tim Smith. Here we go. Did Adam Sandler deserve the Mark Twain Award? He received it last week. Tell us your thoughts. Thank you for the question, Tim. Cameron, uh, I don't even know what the Mark Twain is. I don't know either. Is. What, is, what is that? <laughs> Tim? <laughs> All right, let's look it, make up. it up. Let's stuff look it up at this point. Mark Twain Prize right. for American Humor. Um, the American yeah, so Humor? Mark Twain Prize awarded to Adam Sandler. The comedian, actor, writer, producer, and musician receives the award, the award in a laughter-filled evening, bringing together the best in comedy. I'm just going to say it. I'm not an Adam Sandler fan. I've never watched a movie that I was like, ha ha, I love Adam Sandler. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I hear Uncut Gems is great. I know he's not comedic in that. I'm interested. I've seen The Wedding Singer. Don't tell me about The Wedding Singer. I've seen it. It was good. You know, it was good. It was like Princess Diaries kind of good, which is a good movie, you know? But was I like rolling on the floor laughing? No. I mean, there are there are so many people that kind of, you know, Tim Heidecker is one of those people for me that just like yeah. breaks me every time I see him on screen. All right. Um, yeah, Adam Sandler, that's not what I think of. And then everyone says, Have you seen Waterboy? I see Waterboy. I don't know. The that those comedies, I gotta watch it, but most of the time when people say, Have I seen a comedy? It's like I, those don't those don't make those don't link with me. You know, they don't make me laugh as much as like I watched Death of Stalin. <laughs> I was laughing the entire time and nobody understands why. Also. You know, I'm just really broken. What's um, wrong with this camera? Okay, well here's Don't you want to watch yeah, Anchorman? The, the thing about this award, it's got a lot of really prestigious um, you know, people and it seems like they they just pick one every year and it's not like it's not like they did something special this year. They just pick someone and they decide that, oh, you got the award. You're funny. Um, so like Chappelle was 2019. Nice. Um, you know, uh, Bill Murray was 2016. Bill Cosby was 2009. So, you know, that age dwells. Um, oh, but I, I feel like, look, Adam Sandler has had a long career doing comedy. I want him to pivot to doing more serious roles after uncut gems. I think he was, he was great in that. And you know, he, he does his, um, he does his shtick in that a little bit too, but he really plays it very straight. As far as his comedies go, I agree. I couldn't care less about his, um, his comic comedies. And, you know, he hasn't really made any, he hasn't been doing stand up for like, <laughs> 10 years, basically 20 years, almost. I don't know. So I don't know to give him the comedy award at this point in time when he, you know, hasn't really been doing comedies for quite a while. 
it's weird, but you can't deny that there's some historical legacy there. And, you know, he's, he's made an impact for sure. Even if you don't, um, even if you don't like him, it's, it's true that he's been, he's been someone who, uh, who's gotten, I guess, who's gotten a lot of, of things pushed for, uh, because of his time doing comedy. And, you know, I think, I think that's yeah. fine. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Would I have wanted Norm to get it posthumously? Probably. But, uh, you know, we can't, we can't always have what we want. So. <laughs> Tim asked, did Adam Sandler deserve a Mark Twain award? Here's my answer, Tim. I don't care. I don't even know what Mark, the Mark Twain award is. So whatever. All right. I don't. I don't actually understand awards very much at all. If I ever get one, I haven't decided if I'm just going to tout it. I won this award. I'm very prestigious now. I think Adam Sandler's got more merit than the Mark Twain award. I don't even like him, and I'll say that. You yeah. Know? Uh, so good for him. Thanks for the ride in Tim. Thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) we post every Tuesday. Um, uh, you know what to do if you like the show. Uh, thanks for the time. We will catch you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.